Hello, Overgrowth listeners. This is your host, Rich. Um, getting uh, Starting off the week right uh, with... Let's see. I don't know. I didn't really start off this week with anything. Just uh, watering plants, doing some maintenance. Hoping for wet rain this week and uh, good weather. So that's really it. Um, I'll do smaller updates later. And uh, before we get into the interview with Maddie, um, I wanted to give an update of uh, format stuff um, where I'm going to at least try to do one episode a week um, with anything. Uh, I'm going back to basics, even if it's just five minutes long. Um, Just getting some content out there. And... um, yeah, that's really it right now. Uh, maybe I'll do some gardening tips and tricks, two-minute things or something like that, um, along with the interviews and everything else. And I'm probably going to be expanding um, my interview list from my plant interviews and house interview, like planted, like plants, house plants, and everything, and animals. But then I also wanted to do cooking interviews too a little bit maybe because I feel like cooking um cooking and gardening and cooking and farming and cooking with and animals all intertwine into one so I feel like uh as overgrowth as a sustainable agricultural podcast where we talk about everything plants animals and uh farming and you can't have that without mentioning cooking um, because you're automatically need to do something with the stuff you harvest. So you automatically know, need to know how to cook or have some basic cooking skills. Uh, so I might do some more interviews of that still passing around the idea to, to some people. So, um, but other than that, uh, yeah, nothing else to say. And, uh, let's get on to the interview with, uh, Maddie. And, uh, I've known her for a little bit on the, Um, She's a member of the Overgrowth uh, group on Facebook, and uh, we had a really great time recording, and uh, there is possibly a part two in the future. Um, We just got to figure out time and schedules, so I hope you guys enjoy. Hello? Hello? Hi. Let me. Why isn't this working? Hold on a second. I think I gotta clean headphones. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you just fine. Oh, awesome. So, how's it going? I'm good. Are we, like, recording? Like, this is part of the show now already? (laughs) I don't understand. Nice. So, Anchor is, like, a weird thing. Um, I try to get it up on my desktop, but uh, it's... So, I could, like, interview people through the app for the podcast, and 
it's weird that it only allows me to interview, like send out the invites through the app on my phone. Huh. But I can't do it on like the Anchor by Spotify website. Are you like still able to uh, edit the the recording after like postscript? So that I can't I can't do. Um, I haven't been able to edit anything that I've done. Um, I've been doing I'm trying to get like another software going um, because I found that the easiest way is to uh, probably do another software and then take it through like audacity or something and then uh uh, yeah and then upload it to anchor because uh spotify is lacking i gotta say okay interesting yeah so um yeah well first introduce yourself so everyone knows who you are all right yeah i'm uh i'm madison um mata I, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm not really anyone special. I always thought it was kind of funny that you wanted to interview me for this, but uh, I like plants, so I guess it works. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, how long have you been into plants for? <laughs> oh, geez. Um, honestly, like, I remember gardening with my mom when I was young, and, like, I had my own rose bush under my, uh, under my uh, window, and I always tended my plants, and my rose bush was always really pretty. My mom's rose bushes, not so much. Um, and I did, even um, I did a lot of gardening. Like, I kind of, I don't know, gardening was just always my happy place. I even like pulling weeds. <laughs> it's something satisfying about like weeding and getting that thing, uh, getting it out by the root. I've always liked, uh, that's another thing, is that. Um, I've always been fascinated by root systems as well for plants. So uh, since the like pandemic, I've gotten really into rehabbing plants, which is like next level understanding root systems to a degree. Cause a lot of problems uh, people run into with their plants dying is usually cause it's usually root rot, but it's usually related to issues with the roots. Um, and which weakens the plant and makes it susceptible to pests and other issues. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's big, yeah, it's pretty big. Uh, I've I've tried to re actually I'm rehabbing uh, two plants myself that I got. Um, I uh, when I so I work as a horticulturalist um, for a country club nearby, and my um, my predecessor brought some plants by, and uh, they were fine at first, and then I noticed two of them uh have been going downhill uh pretty fast and i was trying to figure out why and then i noticed that it had a uh one of them has a really big aphid infestation on it um so i was like and it's uh i gotta transplant them um into bigger pots and everything but it's so hard to find i i don't know about you but i haven't been able to find any terracotta pots in my area it's just maybe it's because of like COVID or something, but it's everybody is sold out. Um, are these house plants? Because I mean, honestly, I've switched most of my indoor plants to hydroponic systems, uh, semi hydro or um, like. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I just find it so much easier. Um, you just have I just feed them every time I water. However, I'm noticing some plants are not heavy feeders, 
and I'm doing more harm when I feed them every time I water. So I have to be careful. I'm trying to figure out which ones those are. I might end up losing some of them, like my spoth phylum. Um, they're pretty, you know, I'm so mad at myself. I love that spoth. Um, it was, it's one of our oldest plants and it has not been happy since we moved into this house three years ago. It's clinging to life. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, I'm interested in a hydroponic setup. Do you, so do you have them in like pots or how do you do your yeah. setup? So I, I mean, I, my setup right now, I've been, I started out learning about Lyca because I was trying to rescue some orchids um, and orchids, especially here in my dry climate, love Lyca, which is called, um, it's, it's a acronym L-E-C-A, uh, lightweight expanded clay aggregate. Um, and they're like these little like terracotta like looking clay balls they're usually irregular in shape sometimes you can get some that are more uniformly round like little marbles um and uh and i found that some other plants liked a little more moisture on their roots um and the lica can be uh, a little bit too aerating so i also delved into using a uh, pumice stone which uh is a more natural it's basically like a lot, a cheaper version of it would be like perlite, but I didn't want to have to worry about breathing in glass dust because perlite yeah. is glass. Uh, so I decided to go with pumice stone because it's basically just lava rock. Um, and it's a little more natural. I mean, they're both natural, really. <laughs> One's just melted and the other isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so they, uh, the pumice stone, what I do is I'll put the lica on the bottom to like keep it from falling through the holes in the uh, in the pot, and then I'll do pumice stone, and sometimes I'll do more lica on top of that just because it looks nice um, and it doesn't hurt. Uh, or I'll just uh, leave it with the pumice-looking stone on top. And I've there's even like a lady here in my local plant group community that does, she has almost like her whole, own line. She calls it Pretty Pond. And it's just a whole bunch of like stone, like pumice stone mixtures, but they're like different colored ones. And uh, even she'll even like add like actual gems into the mix, which uh, so she'll have like an amethyst purpley mix or she'll have like uh, another more blue or another more green. And, and she adds like actual like gemstones and it's really it, it's really fashionable <laughs> in your plants. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I've um, I, I've never been. I'm trying to get more into, like, into that stuff, like fat, like little, uh, like fashionable plant, like decorations on top and in right in pots. I haven't the most the most experience I've had was I've tried for the life of me I've tried to grow bonsais and for some reason I could the only ones that ever survive are like the ones that I get from like a Walmart or something. Um, <laughs> I've got never gotten a Walmart bonsai, but I've I'd love a bonsai someday. Sorry, I gotta what? tell you, bonsais in Walmart are probably the most hardiest bonsais I have ever seen. Any um, plant that comes from Walmart, those things yeah. go through hell to get there. <laughs> it's like I've gotten, I've spent like money on like bonsais from like nurseries and bonsai nurseries, and they have been like they've lasted one season, and yeah. 
they just can't handle the winter. And I, I've had bonsais and they're like they from Walmart and they just like I had no words to describe it, but I've got in uh like these little critic like um I, I've there's an actual name for them, but they're like little figures that mm-hmm. uh kind of like Japanese style figures or or um type of uh statues that look go on them like one was like um you would have like a little stone set up on this bonsai and then it would be a guy with a fishing pole and uh it would be like holding down like a little fish on the line that would like sway in the wind (laughs) yeah so it would like set up a little scene underneath the tree (laughs) yeah and they uh yeah it's they a lot of places have like um i found especially at the bonsai nurseries i found have them but uh Mm -hmm. I, i saw more people people are starting to uh carry like different stuff like that um like bonsai is a super bougie thing though it's expensive i mean house plants are they are all expensive um that's actually another thing that's kind of like concerning me and i'm kind i'm proud to say that like all of the plants that i have as far as i'm aware and are ethically sourced there's a huge issue with poaching huge yeah yeah and it's it's, and it's um, it's quadrupled since the pandemic. It's gotten even worse. And there's a lot of these rare plants are like, they're going extinct in their natural habitat and their people are going out and they're poaching them. They're taking them away. They're not fil- fulfilling their natural life cycles out there. They're coming to die in our homes because I mean, yeah. you never know if just like some, uh, some, some ladies like just trying to keep up with the, the Kardashians, you know, and, and house plants are the new trend. And they don't really true. have the skill to take care of these plants that are rare, but they're rare, so they're hot and cool. We, we gotta have it. Yeah, <sighs> I've seen I've seen so many of those. Um, I got uh, there's a couple. Oh, I so the, I always I always go to like nurseries and I see these plants um, that are like go that are really rare for like areas. Um, like one of them, uh, one plant that I saw, I forget the name of it. It was African something and it was a purple kind of it kind of looked like a month a cross between a elephant ear and a monstera mm-hmm. but it was purple and it had like white stripes and purple all around it it was pretty small um but I know it was like a rare plant to the air I don't know if it was like a local plant or if it was it sounds um, like a type of calethia yeah and it was they were selling it for like 150 dollars yeah and it was insane. Like I, 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 people like spend so much money on rare plants because they of really the, do. Yeah. You heard, you heard about that like variegated tetrasperma that sold for what I think it was twelve thousand dollars in Australia. Oh yeah, yeah. That was insane. Or was it twenty four? I don't remember. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it goes crazy, and especially like for wild plants too. Like um, mm-hmm. they. So, have you ever heard of uh, American ginseng? Mm, I think so. I probably it was pop- I'm not recalling right now. <laughs> it was popular in like the 1800s as like one of those like snake oil miracle, miracle cure all cure all things type. Uh huh. And uh, it they poached went it out of thing. existence. Basically, um, it's oh, very that's... little, and it's a lot of places put. Uh, you know that's happening to White Sage now too, right? Yeah. 
it's yeah. happening to a lot. It's um, it's pretty crazy. It's like the state of I know it's very popular. Like this one's very popular in the state of Maine and up here in New England, and a lot of states put like uh, you yeah, know, laws and that stuff. But you really like. Well, white sage is particularly yeah. slow growing compared to the other versions of sage. Yeah. And it's I like being poached out of existence right. because people are using it for their good juju vibes. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm big into like medical like plants and that stuff, but I never got that, like the voodoo stuff with plants and um and like the sage burning. Um smoke a bowl if you really feel that way, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh yeah, that's my go to. So um, <laughs> same that's my white sage (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's yeah another oh another one of those plants that's pretty rare is uh that you can't really find anymore is uh a pawpaw fruit um at least up here it's not uh it used to be it's like somebody one of my friends called it a hillbilly banana because it's supposed i have never tasted this fruit before and i own one of the trees like I, i'm growing one tree literally and, all i'm thinking of that song from jungle book and baloo oh yeah. <laughs> Papa. oh it, they're, they're really good fruits from what people are telling me it's basically like somebody saying it's a cross between a mango and a banana the bare well, necessities yeah. of life <laughs> oh all right I love so much the uh what is it um oh what is it one of my first plants actually was a uh, a jungle fern okay. that I got, uh, and it was uh, I want to say it was like five or six years ago, and it didn't last too long. But I got it from uh, I want to say it was I think Mahoney's Nursery near near me, but it was uh, it that just reminded me of it because I always wanted to live in like. Do you ever feel like you can, like, have your house filled and, like, with a bunch of house plants, you can make it, like, a jungle? Um, I, okay, I legit, um, I made, like, a dream house on The Sims, and what I would do is not, I mean, maybe in my house, but, like, what I want to do is put, like, a giant greenhouse on the front of my house that's, like, two stories, Oh, right? so like a, like a double-decker greenhouse? Yeah, like a double-decker greenhouse, but on the front of the house. And so like – and then have like a, 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 a stone-type structure if I had the money. This is like money was no concept because stone houses are hella expensive. Um, yes. <laughs> you, wood houses are expensive right now. Stone houses are worse. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like but stone is one of the best um, heat – uh like insulators right and also like it helps hold heat heat in um i think that's how it's right or it's the best like conductor or something like that so it's good for keeping insulation in a house i i and then there's the 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 front the um the front greenhouse is also like a form of insulation of like uh of for heat right oh no the stone conducts the heat that's right you've got like the fireplace and the stone that conducts the heat and then the uh their greenhouse is the insulation you really you really want their greenhouse in an area that's like south facing you know with the sun um yeah so 
and then like have the there there be like a front porch like uh, a deck that's what it is like a deck that would be but like the second le- level of the greenhouse you know what i mean yeah so that's yeah, how gotta... it would be like a two-story greenhouse it's not like there would be store- stairs in the greenhouse but like you would come out onto a deck that would be like a uh a, like a a walkway around the uh the the greenhouse you know on the yeah. upper floor and i could like That'd hang be pretty epic. Right, you could like hang plants from that, and you could have like giant banana trees, even not giant, but you could put in banana trees in like a two story, uh, in a two story greenhouse and shit. Sorry, excuse my language, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, uh, it's fine. It's uh, <laughs> already got flagged for explicit stuff anyway, so <laughs> all right, cool, 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 yeah, but yeah, like so, like I and then like, but I would also like in the middle, like have like a um. Like a little, I want to say like a water feature. Um, like a waterfall almost, or, or like not, a water, not a waterfall, like, a like yeah, like a fountain, like a water feature. But um, instead of having it like a like a circular fountain in the middle, but have it being like in the middle would be like kind of the seating area or whatever, and and the feature would be going around it with a with a bridge, right <laughs> over it. Yeah, right. That'd not, be awesome. not like a lazy river that you swim in. That would be where I would put fish because fish are fish poop is excellent fertilizer. <laughs> oh yeah, it's I yes. only uh, I only use like uh, fish uh, fish poop fertilizer and uh, lobster compost and uh, fish compost. Like yeah, everything I right? get like fertilized, it comes from there. And I swear to God, my neighbors are probably going to kill me at some point because if it's really hot and i use that fish fertilizer it it it, it does a number outside like you can <laughs> smell it it's uh but you it's, use uh, dead fish fertilizer <laughs> Sorry. yeah it's like oh like, wow it's a company called like coast of maine um mm-hmm. and uh they sell like uh like fish fertilizer and um and that stuff and i've done like the aquaponic setups before with like um with like beta fish or goldfish or something. And then it would mm-hmm. be like, there's this cool company called back to the roots and they have, um, they have these fish tanks and you could put, it's made for like a beta fish, but you could put like a couple small fishes and some other stuff in there if you wanted to also. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and up top, instead of like a normal, uh, like in a normal, like uh, top of the fish tank, it has three grow beds. And you can, and they put like seeds in there. You could do like oh, that's crazy. Grass. So yeah. it's like a hydroponics with a fish on the bottom of it. It's insane. Yeah. How do you get the water changes? Do you need to? It, no. So uh, essentially, if it's if the uh, if the plants are growing at a good speed, if there's enough sunlight, you the plants would clean the would clean the water for the fish, and then the fish would uh, it it so it sucks up Fertilize the fish the poop. Plant. Yeah, yeah so it sucks up all the water and the fish, fish poop, poop fertilizes the plants and the plants clean the water. Yeah, yeah. Cuz like yeah. I've seen I've seen people do um bioactive which you, is a word for like um basically like fish tanks that are live plants and uh and bacteria and whatnot and they still need to do water changes. So 
Um, yeah. I think they, they just don't need to do as much of a water change. But it yeah, might because of the, uh, the amount of uh, fish they have in the tank, too. Because I know that you can put too many fish in a tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it gets insane. I, 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 so I've never been much of a fish person, um, especially, mm -hmm. I mean, I was before an in, uh, indoor, but uh, what I really want to do at one point is I want to have an outdoor pond. Um, yeah. I, I, I always see these gardeners that put them in and then they have like uh, water plants to go in it, like lily, like uh, um, lotuses yeah, yeah. Or, or stuff like that. But it's, it seems like such a big project to get one in. Um, yeah. That I don't know if I have. Oh yeah. I'd have to have an outdoor pond on my property too. That would be where my goose goes. I'll have like two or three geese. <laughs> do you want to do you not do, uh, do you raise animals now or do you want to raise animals in the future i wish it's like pipe dreams <laughs> i want to have like a little one acre farm on like a um i want to make it, it it's my dream to have like a little one acre farm that's kind of um what's i forget the word of i we talked about it earlier but the word is escaping me now what is it it's kind of in the same line as bioactive, where it's like it takes care of itself. <laughs> it works within nature. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I did so much research on it, like a few months back. I want to say back in like January, and I was so basically like, it, like it's a sustainable uh, pond where it would be like. Yeah. Uh, where you wouldn't have to do as much, like, barely any yeah. meat. So, like, the pond helps feed the plants, and the plants help feed uh, the yeah. property, and the uh, the flora and fauna work in, in conjunction together. I mean, there is still a lot of care that goes into it, regardless. Yeah. You're, you're tending your land. It's your, your project, your life's passion, and that's really what people, I think, personally are put here for but we're uh we're being sucked away into another uh another culture that just isn't natural <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah it's crazy i like i can't find like i can't get any like anybody like i know like some people in like the farming community that get into plants and animals and that stuff and and the more um, the more you go into it, the more left you go sometimes. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> it's funny because like you go, I I've been on the farming. Farming has brought me to both ends of the spectrum, really. Like like, uh, and it's kind of I feel like it. Farming is kind of like I think every it's a life skill. I think everybody should know, even just gardening. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. It's I I, I feel like, especially during the pandemic, nobody like. I think there's a lot of trying to grow their own stuff. I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that there are different types of farms out there. There are giant corporate and like subsidized government subsidized farms. I know people who run a farm like that, and then there's yeah. there there's like smaller mom and pop farms. Yeah, and it's it's hard for the small mom and pop ones to even get out there because of some of like the rules too. Like I never knew how mm -hmm. hard, like I could grow it, it with the right oh. seeds in the land. I could grow like food and that stuff. Honestly, but you, 
the rules are are oppressive for both types of farmers. I, the, in fact, the ones who are the government subsidized ones are very right leaning farmers, and uh, they've they have a really interesting philosophy. They they seem to only really like they they work hard for their what they have, but like it's just a very it's destroying the land underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of like the old timey farmers that do that. Um, and that stuff. And the, they, a lot of, see, before I found out recently, a lot of people weren't teaching like restorative farming agriculture, whereas you. It's um, uh, very mechanically uh, input, output, get as much money as possible. Yeah. And that's kind of, how um how everyone and it's kind of it it's brought i i kind of think it's put like the wool over people's eyes when they go into the food store too because when people look and they see like the price of i don't know let's just say um the price of like a a steak or something right so a steak mm-hmm. price of a steak at a food store is way cheaper than a, a price of a steak at a farm but at a regular farm, um, there's a farm near me that sells meat out of their meat locker and they can't even get their meat into a store because they wouldn't be able to compete with the other meat vendors. Um, mm-hmm. Even though their meat is like 10 times better, nobody would want to pay that price for a steak because right. they they don't like they have open fields and they, they yeah, do, people uh, get disconnected yeah. from what goes into the production of what they're eating yeah you know? it's it, it's insane like it's like not to it's today yep you know you're right it's like the the farmers who are producing that way are disconnected from the land and it goes into the yeah. grocery store and the consumers are disconnected from what they're eating it's it's all kind of gross <laughs> yeah and it's i feel like farmers can work together because I know like even like the older farmers that like they they got to be noticing the land is going a lot of them I think are um are noticing like their land is not as what it was is, is not is like is the land that they're running their cattle through isn't mm-hmm. gonna be like the same land it's it's losing nutrients a lot of people realize that they just it's some people it takes longer for them to admit um yeah with that type of stuff it's it's pretty I'm like, and like I'm like trying to google what it was that I was thinking because it was a type of sustainable farming method that I was looking into um, doing was it uh permaculture permaculture that was it thank yeah. you yes permaculture where it's yeah where like the the land produces the fruit and the food and it just kind of like it feeds each other and there's enough biodiversity that like it because that's that's actually the biggest problem with the old school farmers is there's no biodiversity on their farms and that's what's killing the land. Exactly. And I got to say these farmers, even ranchers, like um, they they had they just have open fields and if they did permaculture more um they would have a better off time with the animals too because it would be uh more shade for the animals it would be less uh of like a heat uh heat zone um Mm -hmm. in the fields and it would offer more uh more variety and biodiversity to the different uh crops being grown for the um 
like the uh, grazing crops, like you could do legumes and clovers and that mm-hmm. stuff. And, uh, oh yeah, different ones. It's like but you could have your whole, you could have a whole grocery store in your yard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's um, oh, what the hell was it? I was. You could get your eating. spices. You could get your fruit. You could get your veggies. Yeah. You could even you could even uh, farm some quail in your greenhouse. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's, there's, I really like, I don't, I still eat meat. I, I still feel ashamed when I look at fish. <laughs> um, that's actually a philo- philosophical um, <laughs> thing. Uh, I can't remember who that came from, but he, he talked, he said like, he's ashamed when he looks at fish and it was, it was, it's a, the philosophy of like, you know, the, what we've done to fish is essentially like genocide. Uh, they're all dying out. Yeah. I mean, what we've done to our planet, a lot of genocide there. <laughs> it's, um, it, yeah, I kind of feel like I, so I tried both spectrums of like the uh, vegetarian and vegan and, me too. and that me stuff. Too. And, and I'm never it, successful. I can't I, say. I gotta say, it's, you can't, you need a good balance is what I feel yeah. like. You need I find that I've tried the Mediterranean diet mostly, and that I find is a good balance because I'm not really a yeah. big meat eater. Um, I maybe eat meat like, like not like like red to meat. To be honest, same um, here. I eat poultry the most, more than anything. I like yeah, I like fish and poultry a lot. Yeah. Uh, those are like two that I go for. Um, I'm not fish really a big red meat expensive. guy. <laughs> yeah, I I, I was actually just saying. I, I just meal prepped today for the week and uh, and I just got like a couple of fillets of uh, cod from uh, Whole Foods and I'm like that was expensive and I'm like chicken that's is the uh, cheapest chicken and turkey it's so cheap yeah <laughs> I, I you know, when I, you're feeding a family of four it's chicken and turkey yep that's all it is and uh, I've been doing a lot of uh chicken beans rice uh i have um so i have three chickens in my backyard that i've been Mm -hmm. uh raising hens and i get uh the eggs are great that i've been uh getting from them but it's so i've been making this one dish that's so simple and it's and it's rice right it's cooked rice Mm -hmm. and then you put like a soy sauce or um or like any type of uh, sauce that you would normally like a coconut sauce or like a toasted sesame oil on it. And then you crack a raw egg on it and then you mix it together. Mm -hmm. And then you just eat it like that. And it tastes, I I thought you would taste the egg. I can't do raw egg. (laughs) It sounds Uh, horrible. It's, I, it's, it's, so there's an official name for it. It's like a Japanese dish. I don't know what it's called, but I saw it, uh, when I was watching this video for these Japanese farmers that were, um, there's this book called the one straw revolution. Uh huh. And it talks about how this guy, he does a permaculture with his crops. Um, he has. He's in Japan. Yeah. And, That's um, awesome. gone, but his, his son continues it. And, it's a great book. You gotta uh, read it. Um, I have to read that. Honestly, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be really honest. I had a major like life shift and outlook on my life after I read the book "The Good Earth" by Pearl S. Buck. It's about the Chinese Boxer Rebellion, and the rise of communism in China. Um, but it's told from the perspective of a young man 
who was so dirt freaking poor. He just, he and his dad just have this like little tiny like farm and it's, it, it's told through like the, um, like ev there's things that have symbolism within throughout the book throughout that ha that are poignant in Chinese culture. Um, and uh, as far as like the change of seasons and droughts and uh, famines and good luck and bad luck and color, the color red being good luck and stuff. And it's just, it's such a great book. It seems so mundane while you're going through the motions of this book while you get to the end but when you get to the end it's like you get this profound sense of the importance of uh family and community and your relationship to the earth yeah it, it though i feel like it's funny i feel like they people in like outside of the cities in china have a, a great relationship with the earth um over there no uh, it depends yeah. <laughs> it depends on where you are china That's why is, I said uh, <laughs> <laughs> like um not like chinese people are just as varied and different as any other people and culture yeah. on the planet really uh you can you, i've met i've met all walks I've, I've met a lot of chinese and asian people in my life i mean i live in california so there are a lot of um asian there's a lot large asian population here i mean i think they say little little china here in san francisco is the largest china outside chinese like chinese community outside of china so yeah um, it's it's you know west coast um really easy for them to immigrate to this side um yeah uh and i've met all walks i've worked for uh chinese run companies before like directly under the people who owned it and whatnot so uh i've met all types <laughs> I, uh, I bet it's uh yeah. <laughs> definitely um, not connected to the earth types <laughs> too yeah. yeah i've yeah i met those two they uh yeah, it's it's crazy. I feel like they um what I what really got me interested in their types of farming and looking at how like I set up um the so at my satellite garden, I set up a uh it's on a slope. So I had mm -hmm. a I set up when I um I don't live with my parents anymore, but when I I set up a garden for them and Mm -hmm. uh, when I it was my garden when I was there, and then when I moved, I thought I was gonna put more perennials in there so they could have more like blueberries and that stuff in the gardens. And I set it up to basically have Have you ever seen like the? Uh, this is not the right name for them, and I know somebody who's listening is gonna kill me for this, but it's like this the patio like stacked type of um. They're kind of like uh, not trail um. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, so it's like uh, if you're on a hill. Do you ever see like those? Um, oh yeah, terrace. Yeah, the terraces and yes. how it's set for like one. And so it's set up, so, <laughs> yeah, so it's all set up uh, so that when the water travels down, it goes to each terrace, and there's a bed on each terrace, and it's, yes. it's on the hill. Uh, so I set up my garden like that to where That's there's awesome. a rain bed. But it's also angled, so all this, uh, all the rain comes down on a sloop, on a mm -hmm. slope. 
and uh <laughs> and uh it um yeah it, it's great uh it's they have they definitely have some good i feel like every culture has good farming yeah the you know those terraced gardens i believe that are i can't i can't remember what part of asia they're in i think they're in the philippines i can't remember the um but you know what i'm talking about those those really they're like one of the world wonders the terraced gardens they're falling out yeah. of repair because the new generation doesn't want to stay and learn how to uh how to maintain them and the older generation is dying off the last of the people who know how to maintain them are dying off yeah, it's... Um, Isn't that crazy sad? It is crazy sad. Nobody, I gotta say, I've had so many farming students and gardening students and that stuff from my, from different jobs that I've had, and none, there's some kids, but not a lot of people from the recent generations want to learn anything about it. Um, and it's, it's sad, really, because a lot of the good farming techniques are going to go away with the people when they die out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some farming techniques specifically here in America should die out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, a lot of the, I, there's like, um, what's the one that I hate? Uh, there's one technique that I, that I, that I find, I think is going to die out at some point. Um, it's the like patchwork farms where it's just like huge blocks of like, like, almost two, three miles of just like almond trees or rice fields. Rice fields are probably less of a yeah. issue than Mon almond trees or, you know. Almond trees. I, so I have a grip with almonds. Um, I always, uh, so I, I don't like, like, I like almonds, but I feel like they're, nobody really knows how much water it takes to go to grow almonds. It takes a lot of water to grow almonds. Um, mm -hmm. And I we have so many almond uh, almond farms out here in California. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say out here in the valley. The, yeah, they have all the the. That's all, where all our water is going. Farms. That's why we're yeah, in a drought. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's it's. It, they chose the one state that's most that's in a drought most of the time in to grow almonds, and I'm like, it's. I I just don't see how people thought that was a good idea uh, to, to mass produce almonds like that uh, for, because before it when it was almonds, the state to a degree, well that and they're clear cutting yeah. our national land. Yeah. Hey, I, I think, I think it skyrocketed with almond milk and before it was like, it was controlled. But then when the popularity of almond milk came in, um, mm -hmm. everybody was like, all right, we got to ramp up our almond production. And, they're like, screw the rest of the crops. Let's just plant almond trees. I'm going to be honest, though. I much prefer almond and oat milk ice creams to dairy ice creams. Like all day, I like, any day yeah. every day. I like oat milk. Um, I, oat I, milk I, is oat the best. And coconut milk are my, are my two favorite. I, coconut milk's all right, but oatmeal, oat milk is particularly good. There was this one oat milk ice cream that I would um, drink. I would eat. It was like caramel apple cinnamon. It tasted like a apple pie strudel or something. It was so friggin' delicious. Yeah, I gotta say the only I'm not a big dairy like milk drinker, but there's only two ways I'll drink milk. It if it comes from a, like a small farm, like we have one called Crescent Ridge up here. Yeah. Um, 
their I only get their milk if I ever use milk or or any or or if I need to use it for a recipe or if I drink it because they the way they treat their animals is so much better than like hood or like these other places. Yeah. But they the you can't find I don't know about in California, but you can't find raw milk in Massachusetts. Huh. My weakness well, is cheese. Other than that, I don't do dairy. Not even yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer I, coconut yogurt too. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even know they had that. Dude, it will make you wonder why they didn't, like, they never even considered dairy yogurt and just went with coconut yogurt because it is so much better tasting. Like, it's so much sweeter and lighter and just, ugh, to die for. I gotta try that. It's, um, what I was gonna say. Yeah, I have (laughs) not, I have not, um... I know people make yogurt, and I want to try to make yogurt one day. Um, I made cheese. I've done mozzarella and, like, that stuff and, like, the quick cheeses to make, not, like, the aged stuff. Um, yeah. uh, but that – it's it's definitely an art form. The stuff that I made came out nothing like you would see anywhere else. I, I also uh, really love that goat cheese. They have some organic goat cheese farms up here in uh, northern – uh, California that are really good. Goat, uh, goat milk and cheese are really good. I love those. Right? But I just can't, I can't do goat milk from a store. I don't know why. It just has this like tangy aftertaste to me. I've never tried goat milk, but I do like the cheese a lot. <laughs> if you try goat milk, you got to go with like a farm goat milk or something. Like if you find a farm, sometimes farmers no, like, no. sell goat like milk. I said, there's a really good goat milk farmer who makes a lot of goat milk cheese, uh, goat cheese here in Humboldt that like I love. And they've got all these like really hippy dippy names for the the different flavors that they have. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> have you tried like any uh, like does he sell goat milk too or just the cheese? I don't know. I haven't looked for any of their goat milk. I've just seen the cheese. I forget what it's called. I think it's like it's called some something Grove. Cypress Grove. Cypress Grove cheese. I bet you can find it that way. Definitely. Now, I got a question for you. So you so you mentioned so you so are you in like the Humboldt County area or No, I'm in Sacramento, but Humboldt is kind of, I don't want to say that out loud because then everybody's going to know how amazing it is. Humble is like my dream place to live. Like that is my, where I want to like buy my farm and live out the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I've always wanted to like visit and like go out there and I've had students that have gone out there and that stuff um, to work in the, the cannabis industry. And uh, it's, um, do you see, do you guys see a lot of cannabis farms out there or I I haven't honestly um I haven't gone looking for them either when I'm out there I'm out hiking in the redwoods it's freaking yeah. gorgeous out there like uh it's a dream <laughs> I want to see a redwood tree I've I I've I keep seeing them on shows and everything else and like the redwood forests and that stuff and I'm I want to see one in person because there's nothing you, else like them. Exactly. You, on the you planet. Can't, you can't find that anywhere in New England. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I can think of that might be 
almost equally as impressive as like the rainforest trees in the Amazon or something. <laughs> they're that freaking towering over you. Like, yeah. and there's a hugely stark difference. Like, if you're driving through the redwoods and then you go and then you pass the border into Oregon and leave redwood territory, and it's like, yeah, these are definitely not redwoods. They're way shorter. <laughs> these are just yeah. pines. <laughs> oh, God. That's amazing. How, yeah. Uh... So, so what's the weather like over there usually? Is it like, um, is it like a dry climate? Um, is it like a... Um, so I, in Sacramento, it's a little bit of a blend. So, so California in particular has a whole bunch of different microclimates is really what it's called. Like I could be, I'm in a, like an area that has a really nice humid Delta breeze, but for the most part, it's pretty dry. If I drove 25 minutes to the east, it gets exponentially drier. Um, and like, <laughs> if I drive 25 to 40 minutes to the west, it gets wetter because it gets even more into the delta. Um, and I'm like right at the edge of it. <laughs> um, yeah. And like it, it really it's crazy because like yeah, or it could get like not really drier, but like wet and colder if you as you go up into the mountains. Um, so <laughs> it's funny because there's there's really a lot of different um, climates and ecosystems uh, in California. Uh, a lot, some of it has a lot of it has like started to like blend together and change uh, as humans have impacted it. And I'm sure it was even more diverse a hundred years ago than it is now. Um, That's another thing. Our population here in California has like, oh my goodness, it, uh, it's gotten so much bigger even just since I've been alive. And, um, and I want to say in the 1930s, there was virtually no one here. Yeah. Yep. And we've already got a population uh, almost as big as, like, oh, my God. I I don't know how much the population of our state. It's something like 300 million, 320 million right now. That's insane. I I, I can't. I've always like I've had friends that went to go visit uh, California, but they always go to like um, like L.A. or any of like the big cities. And I'm like, oh. I, I just I, I can't deal with big city traffic. I can't. It's not 300. Can't. It's 39 million. Sorry, we're oh, we're close okay. to 40 million. I was close. I was I I remembered the three correctly. I just remembered where the decimal was <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's awesome, though. It's, uh, I, I, think, um, I don't know, um, oh, if, if you hear a dog in the background, that's my, uh, that's my puppy. That's okay. What kind? Yeah. Uh, she's a great Pyrenees. Uh, nice. Two, two years old, yeah. That's a great farm dog. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I actually got, I got her with that in mind, how she would be, like, outside with me, um, with the chickens and that stuff. And she's a livestock. Well, she's supposed to be a livestock guardian. So they usually farmers leave them out there with the livestock, but uh-huh. um, I couldn't do that to a dog. Uh, yeah. Just because uh, I have too much love for them. So she's Unless you had a barn. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that too. Although I've been reading like so they have like other livestock guardian animals, and I didn't know uh-huh. like donkeys are livestock guardians. <gasps> um, yes, alpacas. they are. Yeah. yeah. I, I I just saw dude. This. Alpacas will stomp to death a jaguar. Yep. They are. So there's this guy that comes to my local <laughs> farmer's market and he brought my first time meeting alpacas ever in person. Like I've seen them like uh, my parents swear I've met them at like petting zoos before and that stuff, which I probably have. But the, my yeah. only memory of me actually meeting them in person was at this farmer's market. And there's this guy that shears alpacas. So they uh, uh, they have alpaca fur and yeah. he shears them and like during the summer and then they grow back and everything else. And, you know, he takes very good care of them and he makes clothing with the alpaca fur, but he brought these two alpacas to the farmer's market for people to meet them. And mm-hmm. it was, they were, they're great. But this, uh, one of the farmer's friends must have pissed off one of them because it, it spits at you. Yeah. <laughs> it they makes do. you mad. <laughs> yeah. And it's did. just, I actually did Llama 4-H when I was uh, nine. Uh, fun fact. <laughs> how uh, how'd you like it? I, uh, I I had a lot of fun. I did it, I think, for two years. Um, but I don't even remember why I stopped doing it. I think I just was uh, – I was getting older and interested in other things. I was becoming a teenager, and it wasn't cool <laughs> anymore. Um, but, like, I – grew up part of my childhood in Idaho and that was just like that's what you did you didn't do you either did Girl Scouts or you did 4-H and Girl Scouts seemed more like extra homework for me and I enjoyed hanging out with the animals so I did 4-H and there was horse 4-H or there was like goat 4-H there was pig 4-H horse 4-H was for like the bougie girls the girls who had money yeah (laughs) Um, I, I went into llama 4-H and I didn't have my own llama. So I borrowed from like, uh, the like 4-H llama 4-H leader who had like a whole llama farm and, um, was just, you know, teaching kids about their llamas. And, uh, and we, we would like, we would be in, um, like parades and stuff with the llamas and we do like little leads with them and me and this other this little baby llama called rendezvous got together like we we got along so i would uh lead rendezvous around um but like you'd be surprised that alpacas are as feisty as they are because they're like much smaller versions of llamas (laughs) yeah it's um it's crazy they I I wanna I wanna raise them just because they're so like um, they're they're a clean animal too uh, from what I was told like they is it true they only um, people were telling yeah. me they only poop in one spot in a field. Oh man, you know I don't remember <laughs> I don't remember that. I, uh, I, I'm like detail. I'm like wow an an animal that makes it easy for me to clean after yeah. them like it's it, it, it's amazing. <laughs> I think they do. Um, but I just, I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, yeah. So that, uh, don- donkeys, I feel like they're, they're good, but nobody, like nobody raises donkeys anymore. 
Like, there's no, I, I feel like, no, unless it's like for a petting zoo, I haven't there, seen donkeys at all. There are some people out here that do donkeys. Um, I used to go walking around late at night sometimes, and there, there was this farm who had like a couple of donkeys roaming around it. Uh, nearby where I would roam. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh... Yeah. Actually, in fact, a place where I went and uh, and uh, had my son ride on a on a small on an on an older mare when he was about two. Um, they she had a couple of donkeys on her farm too. So it's actually it's it's more common out here probably in California. Yeah. Have you? Uh... Have, so, have you ever thought about doing any farm work before? Or? No, I have. I have too much on my plate already as a mom. <laughs> uh, my house plants and my my uh, I I care. Um, I've been doing reptiles and amphibians a bit, learning how to set up bioactive tanks. It's a really fun hobby, like how to make a tank that like looks really pretty, has living plants in it self-sustainable i don't have to clean up any lizard poop it's awesome <laughs> if you learn any like really good information on that let me know because i have a bearded dragon and i've been that sounds oh, amazing <laughs> i i've already got three uh three going tanks going on right now like doing fine oh my so, god I, uh, gotta, I i know a lot about uh, yeah. it actually already <laughs> i gotta do something i uh i got I, so I, I have a bearded dragon that I rescued. And, well, from my um, my friend was doing a, uh, uh, you know how they do adoption signings and that stuff, and they do like mass adoptions. And mm-hmm. I, I I had lizards before, but I didn't. I, I never had a bearded dragon before, so I didn't know how big they got, uh, which they do get pretty damn big, which I'm okay with. Yeah, that stuff. And I've been a feeding like veggies and uh insects and that stuff but i want to get like i want to put plants in there and like other stuff and like to have it like um yeah trying a, to uh, get it more of a natural environment a bearded dragon requires quite a lot of space they're like little puppies um yeah <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, uh, the i think the type of tank you want for them to really give them the right amount of space is um is something like four to six feet long <laughs> yeah so i got one that's um i want to say four feet right now long um, okay i think four yeah. feet is is usually like that's that's the minimum that's usually like you're good and yeah. um and it's then... just i gotta get a bigger uh what the hell is it uh i just need to get a bigger like so i have a tank but mm-hmm. I got to get like a bigger thing to keep the tank on. So right now yeah. it's on like a dresser and the dresser <laughs> only goes four feet. Like that's the ma- Like it's already maxed out the whole top of it. Uh, so I'm like, Just I need build to an get... enclosure on the ground. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I think my, I've seen those too on like the bearded dragon reddits and that stuff. And, mm-hmm. but I've been trying to put like, I've tried plants in there and sometimes they won't survive, but I've gotten like a little cactuses and yeah. that stuff but they he uh i think it's a bearded she, dragons she always can eats be them. harder yeah like i was gonna say bearded dragons can be harder because they will eat your plants uh um, yeah you probably want to plant like a lot of stuff in there 
you could try planting a spider plant in there. I bet that would do pretty well. Yeah, I tried aloe, and it turns out they like aloe, and apparently they can eat cactuses. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> they, uh, which is, uh, they like cactus pears and um, cactus pads and that stuff. And what I would actually, recommend doing is like setting up, if you were going to set up a larger one or something, set up it while she's in this one and like really plant it, like really pack shit in there. Like more, if you think you have too many, like put more in there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and let it grow for about a month or two. Um, and of course, like how you set up a bioactive terrarium, you want the plants. You also want isopods and springtails um, to help with the, the cycling and then you want to add some beneficial bacteria to your dirt and that will make it fully bioactive. That's all you really need. The plants, the dirt, the bugs, and the bacteria. Um, and okay, and then eventually as you're letting it cycle over the couple of months, fungus will come on its own because fungus are another part of the of the bioactivity and the fungus is like, you did it right! Congratulations! <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> now, now I gotta try that. This is uh, this is gonna be on my uh, on my next to do. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to get like I've had. And then, yeah, yeah, and then once you see the fungus, put her in there. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I gotta try. I I've been trying to. I, I my my thing is to get like more sustainable shit to make my life my my life less complicated in terms of maintenance. Literally, um, the only thing you have to do is if she decides she likes pooping on a log instead of in her dirt, knock it in the dirt and then spray it with a spray bottle and maybe water the plants. That's all you got to do. That's literally all, all you right. got to do. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to get some plants in there that she likes. I feel like uh, she's been, um, she eats more veggies instead of bugs, but it's weird because she's, I don't know exactly how old she is, but she seems small enough to be in the range of like a younger bearded dragon. And it's always weird because it always online says that they're, they're, uh, when they're younger, it's supposed to be 80% insects, 20% veggies. Yeah, she might not have gotten enough bugs as she was younger to grow into an adult size. Yeah, so she's never she, she 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 likes some bugs and she and she'll eat them when I give it to them, but uh, she really likes her veggies. Yeah, which um, uh, I've heard that there were yeah. some people. There was some like thing where people were telling, like, saying that they would get aggressive if you fed them bugs, so only feed them veggies, which was not a good idea. There's some uh, there's some bizarre yeah. um, ideas on how to raise reptiles never listen to anyone at petco or PetSmart. those are death traps <laughs> you bring oh that yeah <laughs> yeah i know I, I sort of got my cousin like who's uh who's 15 probably knows more than uh <laughs> than anyone that works at uh, like i i have a i so this may sound weird but i have i uh what's it called uh, i have a grudge with people that like at like that work in the garden sections of Lowe's and Home Depot and that people that work at PetSmart um, or Petco or any, and that only because they never really know what they're talking about when they're, yeah. And it's the, 
I went to Home Depot once in, in um, earlier this year, and I usually don't go there unless I know specifically which plant I'm looking for. Um, I only go to I'm, like browse the indoor plant section and see if anything special have, has uh, been on a shipment. <laughs> yeah, it like um, I was looking for. Um, I was looking for, uh, so I was looking for a citrus tree. I'm really, I'm trying to get into more potted, potted citrus and, um, and everything like that. Last month, some, uh, some distributor of a bunch of Monsteras dropped a whole bunch of Albo sports in our Sprouts, Trader Joe's and Home Depot's in our area here. It was awesome. Ooh. I got one of them, but I don't think I got enough variegation on it to actually come out. I think it's just going to be anything regular Monstera. The last, I, it popped out one new leaf, and then it popped out another new leaf, and the, on the variegated one, the one that has one little spot of variegation, but it was the newest leaf on it is not variegated. I'm very sad. Yes, some yes, people yes, got yes, some really yes. highly variegated. Uh, albo sports out of that though someone found a like one with a half moon uh in a trader joe's for seven bucks oh see i gotta go to yeah, these sell for two hundred dollars yeah so <laughs> what the hell <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh i, I gotta say you get some a, a steal at trader joe's oh. for plants uh, especially here they um I, I, I got to stop shopping at like ho at Home Depot for plants though. I, I got, uh, so I went there today to actually, I'm looking, I had to get a new dryer because my fucking dryer shit, shit bricks yesterday. Uh, that happened so <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's insane. Um, so I got, uh, so I went there and of course I saw some plants that they had and I had to come out with plants and, um, I got an orchid and I'm like, all right, cool. And I know it was blue and I'm like, all right, so this is not like a natural orchid. It was dyed. <laughs> it was dyed. Uh, but, um, so I got it and it was dyed blue and I went to go move it and I, and I moved it across and I got blue dye all over my hand. When I was oh, just no. taking it out of the package, and I'm I was trying to figure out what like what's the point of dyeing them? Like, yeah, I don't get it either. It's some trend. <laughs> there was another trend that somebody posted in one of my plant groups that was like beating your plants that I guess was on Reddit, and I was just like, mm, no, thank you. That doesn't seem like a good idea. No, it, it's, I don't like to follow any like trends or anything. Or anything like that um, for certain stuff because sometimes I think they're just plain stupid for uh, plant stuff. Like um, yeah, some pe some people uh, sometimes some some bougie little girl who who got yeah. herself into plants are like, I'm gonna start this new trend. It's gonna be so cool, and it's just like I don't know anything about plants really, but I know it looks good. Yeah. It's like no, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, uh, they, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, what else I was going to say? Sorry. Uh, no, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, yeah. So with the Home Depot, with uh, they had this guy that was uh, 
that was um, uh, working at Home Depot, and uh, he didn't know tangerines grew on trees. Oh, oh no! I asked him if he had any tangerine or mandarin orange trees, like because they, they sometimes have the small potted citrus. Uh huh. Um, and uh, and he's like, go to the supermarket. My, yeah, he's like. <laughs> He's like, I didn't know. He's like, oh, tangerine trees. I didn't know they were on trees. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't know how to respond to that. So he just looked it up and he didn't have any. But I'm like. No, you they... want them from the great tangerine apes. Yeah. It's... Citrus has been like, I, 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 I envy you guys out in Cali because I, I want to have a citrus orchard. Like, I want to oh, have that. that would, it's, yeah. it, you can't have that in New England. Like, you could have. Uh, apparently, there's a citrus tree. That, that is what you could do here. <laughs> More yeah. so than almond trees, and it would work better. <laughs> oh, my God. It would be so much better. I have – there's a citrus tree I've been trying to find. I did an interview with um, uh, with a uh, my friend Margo earlier in, um, in the season of the podcast, and I – she was telling me about this citrus tree that grows in new England and it could be grown outdoors in zone five and with that, without any help. And I'm like, what is I it? Gotta find this tree. It's a, it's a, from, it's a, oh, I forget the name of it. It's try something orange and it's from North. It's from China and mm-hmm. it's an orange tree. It's an, it's like a kind of like a bitter orange almost. Um, I believe. And I found it and I got a bookmark somewhere. I'll send it to you. Um, Okay. But and it has, uh, you can order it, but I have to. Nobody around here has it. Nobody has citrus like in-ground citrus trees over here. So you I got to order it, and I'm like, it's gonna take too long. I think by the time it gets here. <laughs> you know, I I forgot to say the one one of the main like benefits of using the semi-hydroponics on indoor plants is the lack of fun- fungus gnats. Oh, yes. See, you, you guys show me pictures of your setup because I'm still, this is still interesting. Like, I, I, I mean, I've sent, you, I've sent you pictures before, but like, yeah, no, I, I don't really have a big problem with fungus gnats at all. Sometimes when I'm setting up my bioactive tanks, uh, there will be a fungus gnat spike, but then it, that, it goes away. Hello? Yeah. Sometimes oh, yeah, uh, when I'm enough. setting up my bioact, yeah, are you, are you okay? So you got me. Hello. Oh, I think we just. Hey. Oh, I think okay. we're losing connection. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on Wi-Fi. I'm trying to figure out why this is happening. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Oh, sweet. All right. Yeah. Uh, continue what you were saying. So I was saying that um, sometimes when when I was setting up my bioactive tanks. Um, I would have like a spike in fungus gnats, but they don't last because of my, uh, they don't really go anywhere after that. I, (laughs) yeah, I need, uh, I need like for, uh, for like, so I always, I've tried so many things to get rid of fungus gnats. I even thought getting a Venus flytrap near them would be, would work. And Mm -hmm. I had one for a while, but it never really worked out. Um, seriously, uh, You should just, you can either, um, you can honestly, if you don't want to 
completely do the whole thing of transferring your plants over into fully semi-hydroponics like a or or, um, or pumice stone uh you can just put it put like pumice stone on the top of the dirt and that should help suppress them a lot like just that um like put like a i would say like half an inch of uh of pumice or like a along the top of your plant potted plants and that should help suppress them um and then in order to like do the full-on transfer there's a lot of people have like different methods um i watched a few videos uh but then i kind of developed my own method that i find works pretty well for me where i um i take the pot the plant out of the dirt i knock off as much of the dirt as I can. I rinse off as much of the dirt as I can. And then I stick it in water, um, sometimes with some, uh, with some, uh, some uh, fertilizer in there, there, like liquid fertilizer to help with promote root growth. Um, like I'm uh, doing root therapy, water therapy, if the plant had root rot or something like that, you know? But it's mostly just to try to soak the roots a bit more, get more of the, um, the, dirt fibers and whatever else was in the soil kind of like to come off. I get as much of it off, off as I can. I don't always get it all off, but I get as much of it off as I can before I transfer it. Um, and then I just start watering it. Um, some things I'm noticing I may have planted a little wrong. Like I put the reservoir, the water reservoir is a little bit too far away from the bottom of the pot. So I need to figure out how to um, fix that because uh, it's causing um, issues with the plants. Like they're fine, but they're also having, like they've got symptoms of root rot, but they're, um, uh, there's a good portion of healthy roots that they're not really that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, they're like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, because so the I roots the get into that. the. Oh, yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say the oh, roots get right. into the water reservoir and then they rot in the water and then they're like fine above the water. It's ridiculous. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so the name of that orange tree is a trifoliate mm -hmm. orange. That sounds pretty. Like it yeah. has different colors. I think it does. Um, it, uh, it's a sour orange, so you're not going to get, like, the orange you see in, like, the food store, but it's still I bet it makes orange, good orange so. juice. Yeah. Uh, that one. Oh, no. I'm, I'm losing you now. Uh, uh, Hello? Hey. All right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we're losing connection. All right. I think uh, we're losing connection. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do this. How about we do this as a part one, and then we continue this like next time as a part two. That's fine. Like we could we can start to wrap it up here. And uh, it was really it was fun talking plants with yeah. you. Obviously, I could yeah, go definitely. on forever. All of the Me different too. like bioactivities and how nature and plants and our, we we relate to our, it's it's been my passion since I was at least six. <laughs> we gotta dive more deeper into that, and I definitely want to know more about your history with plants too and everything else. That'd be that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Yeah. So 
it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast and uh yeah maybe we could do we could record another this so this one's probably gonna come out monday i want to say monday or tuesday okay so um yeah maybe we could record part two at a different time yeah, and hopefully part two will be a little less awkward and make a little more sense. Maybe I can, like, actually write up points of what we want to hit, and, and it could be, like, actually make sense what we're talking yeah, about. See. Rather yeah, than see. just rambling on. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right, it was good Have talking a great with night. you. Good talking you to too. you. too. Good night. All right, good night. And that is the end of part the part one interview. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed um, my interview with Maddie. Um, definitely going to get more in depth with stuff and uh, more structural probably in the next one. Um, yeah, yeah, she has a lot of knowledge to offer, and uh, and I can't wait to pick her brain more about it. So. Uh, yeah, so that's really it uh, for interviews this week. Uh, next week, uh, we have an in- I have another interview coming out uh, with another group, an overgrowth group member uh, named Michelle. Uh, she is an old friend of mine, and uh, she's also into plants. And we will get into all that when the interview drops. So I hope you guys... Uh, I like in the interviews and also uh, feel free to uh, email me or um, feel free to PM me however you get in touch uh, through Anchor, through Facebook, Twitter, through the Twitter page for Overgrowth or anything else um, through the Facebook group or anything if you want to be on the podcast too. Um, I'm taking... I have plenty of openings for interviews, so uh, if anyone wants to join in or if anyone else wants to uh, be interviewed for anything within sustainable agriculture, uh, yeah, just let me know. And I hope you guys all have a great week. Peace.